Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today, Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon joins us on the program, followed by Dusty Dvorak. A big 5 o'clock hour here on a Thursday. Episode 3 of 2024 here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Did we figure out what official overall number episode we're on? I'm putting that in my phone to do that tonight. Okay. <laughs> this could be another bit that we just, you know, continue to yeah. say we'll we'll get to it tomorrow. I know, because we'll we still have the Jackson Mahomes news to That's carry That's right, we over. still got to get to the Jackson Mahomes story <laughs> that might take place in today's edition of The Snack. <laughs> To close out the 4 o'clock hour. You never know. We'll see if we have enough time. You don't at Tune all. Tune in <laughs> later this afternoon. Oh, it's so good. We haven't even hit the NFL this week. I know, obviously, there have been so many college football stories and the playoffs taking place on Monday and this championship matchup that we have that, that we still need to spend more time on, but... We are ready for the final week of the NFL regular season, and I don't know if if I'm going to be able to to watch the four quarters that Dallas is going to play on Sunday. Ah, it's Washington. You're fine. You're fine. This is the kind of game that Dallas completely overlooks and plays their their worst game in. That's Washington. You have I'm the chance you, to get the number fine. two seed. You have the chance to play home games, which they've been nearly unbeatable at home. Yeah, you're going to be fine, man. It's Washington. I don't yeah, think this have, is the game Dallas will have, think you have 14 penalties for 180 about. yards and five turnovers, and it's going to come down to the wire. You know, I will say, though, Mark that... my words. And uh, you can hear that game, by the way, right here on the Blitz 1170 Sunday, excuse me, at 2 o'clock. Um, you know, after the disappointing Buffalo game, I... I th- we knew that this three-game stretch for them was going to be rather significant. Thankfully for them, even going one and two in this stretch with Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit, that Philadelphia has completely you-know-what-the-bed, and Dallas has been able to take advantage of that now. It's not quite to the level, I think, as you just mentioned, that you feel 100% comfortable, but... You know, I heard it phrased as coming off of the Buffalo loss and as bad as it was, you go to Miami against a team that still has won 11 games, and that was kind of one of those coin flip games, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Miami was the following week playing Baltimore for yeah. first place in the AFC, right? Yes, it was a coin flip game, and one way or the other, it was a very tight game the entire way through. Yes, they lost at the end on the field goal, but... They at least showed a certain amount of of resolve to go back and not allow the Buffalo game to beat them twice, especially to beat them twice in a specific way, if that makes sense. Uh, They bounced back and I thought played good enough to win that game, which is why I called it a coin flip. And then Detroit, who I would say is kind of Dallas's equal, all things considered, that was another very tight game that coin flip that they were able to to take advantage of and win even if there was some stupidity from the officials um by the way i mean the whole checking in thing wouldn't happen wouldn't have happened anyway if they had just got the tripping call correct in the first place so 
I, I don't know. I think right. but we you can't had, talk about that. You at least but. had to feel a little bit better with the way that they bounced back and played on the road at Miami Sim, which didn't even in between that Detroit game. Of course. I mean, I, I thought the Miami game had peaks and valleys for sure. But overall, I mean, you have to I mean, coming off of what you saw against Buffalo and knowing that this was a road game. I mean, they they did enough to potentially give themselves the win with what? three minutes left and unfortunately Miami was able to have more than enough time to drive the length of the field and and score the game-winning field goal but yeah I mean they were right there right that was one of those games that one or two things go the other way and and you know maybe that's a, a Dallas win or maybe one thing goes the other way and that's a Dallas win they they played well enough to give themselves a chance to win on the road which is all you could ask for and yeah I think you felt a lot better about that it was a disappointing loss but it wasn't a disappointing performance. Uh, and then, yeah, Detroit again, um, you know, that one was one where I felt like I probably disliked the performance more in that game than I did the previous week, especially because they were at home and not on the road. And you have the, you know, the weird CD lamb fumble uh, that goes into the end zone and it's a touchback. And, you know, Dallas kind of felt like they were in control of the game at that point. And uh, yeah, there were just, there were also a lot of, ups and downs in that game but that's not really what Dallas's problem has been uh you know and I, I like they as as we saw early in the season they will do things where they they play really well against a good team and then all of a sudden it's let down city against the Cardinals right it's that's just the what, level of that's what is fearful I think of of this weekend is you you win the Detroit game and now you have the ability to control your destiny in the NFC East. And you have Washington, who's won four games all year. Reports are that they are tanking for Caleb Williams, and you essentially don't show up and just give them a football game. That would be incredibly disappointing if that happened, and uh, not yes. unlike the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, I, I still think that Washington is is in a poor enough position where uh, that I don't think will come into play, but uh, we we shall see. Uh, do you have concerns? What are your areas of concerns right now with Dallas overall? Uh, you know, the run defense, I think, is first and foremost. That that has to be the issue more than more than anything else. And then I would say the the rushing attack in general would be secondary. Which doesn't bode well for the postseason, right? I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't stop the run and you can't run. That That's not a positive sign. And it might be good enough to beat, I don't know, whoever you could face out of the NFC South, perhaps, right? Yes. But it's not going to beat San Francisco. I mean, I don't. I, Buffalo and Miami aren't even teams that I would put on the on the same level as San Francisco in terms of, of, you know, that those two, um, those two warts, I guess, if you will. And, uh, they were giant issues against those teams. So I thought that San Francisco is going to murder Dallas in I that aspect, just Dallas, like they did in the, earlier this season. So Dallas, I thought was pretty good on third down against the lions. Uh, Lions had the third best rushing offense in the league, averaged 141 yards per game. They were limited to 125, four yards a carry. 
so they didn't completely just shut them down, but the Lions had converted 44% of their third downs, and Dallas held them to 30 this past week. Demarcus Lawrence was a man possessed in that game and made a ton of big plays in the run game. And they also played Micah Parsons off the ball, right? I mean, he played some off-ball linebacker in that game, which also I think is is because in certain situations, you know, they've they've got to be able to stop the run. And if you're not if you don't have a lead where the other teams are going to throw the football, then you know, the pass rushing ability to some degree goes out the window. Oh, I forgot. Didn't they play like, you know what, last year in this very spot in week 18? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, week 18, they lost 26-6 to in the regular season finale. Yeah. Now, I can't remember exactly what if anything was on the line in terms of seeding. I can't remember either. But this one's monumental. I mean, this this is hosting two playoff games, right, versus going on the road immediately. I mean, unless Philly also loses. Unless Philly loses. But Well, that's what I, I was going to bring wanna, up. You don't want to bank on that. Isn't it pretty crazy to think that at one point in time we were having conversations basically over Dallas being two games behind Philadelphia and we were worried that and this was like early in the season. Oh my God, you I Philly's just gonna run away with this thing and have like a multiple game lead within the division. And uh Dallas now finds themselves in the spot that they are. And you gotta love, I guess if you're a Cowboys fan, the fact that when you lost those two games a couple weeks ago, it was AFC opponents and not NFC opponents. Like Philly was losing to, which swung things in in your favor in terms of the tiebreakers. Like, how crazy is that? I know, I know. Both teams are losing, but thankfully, it was NFC opponents for the Eagles, which helps the Cowboys. No doubt. Chiching. All right, I think we might have a little bit of breaking news here. Breaking news. Breaking news right now on the Blitz Eleven Seventy. Well. We had some news earlier in terms of a member of the Oklahoma staff moving on to Kansas State. Well, now we have news that Oklahoma has moved on from their defensive coordinator. Ted Roof is out as Oklahoma's D.C. Per release, Roof and the Sooners have agreed to a mutual parting of ways. OU will have a search for a new defensive coordinator in 2024, which will begin immediately, according to this release. So there is your breaking news. Outside of Matt Wells, who was an analyst last year, taking on the co-offensive coordinator play-calling position at Kansas State, Oklahoma has now lost two members of their, air quote, staff today, with Ted Roof being the one that uh, I think might have caught a few people off guard that Ted Roof was not going to be a part of the program moving forward. Here's a statement from Venables. I have the utmost respect and appreciation for Ted. I told him Wednesday I made a decision to go in a new direction at defensive coordinator and offered him an opportunity to remain on our staff in a different role. 
He explained that he has a deep desire to keep coaching and will look to do that at a different school. Ted is an incredibly knowledgeable coach and teacher, and his players love playing for him. Our program is thankful for his extreme dedication the last two seasons and for helping make us better. Oklahoma's defense improved quite a bit this year, 98th in scoring defense and 121st in total defense in 2022. In 2023, they went to 48th in scoring and 78th, respectively, and second nationally uh, in interceptions, sixth in turnovers overall. So a new defensive coordinator will be uh, needed there in Norman. Are you well, uh, surprised in, in by title, that? Entitle, yes. In title, yes. In title. Essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, this, this isn't surprising to me at all. I mean, it's Brent Venable's defense, right? It is. I mean, I think you he had so many things to to somewhat juggle becoming a head coach for the first time and taking over a program that that is going into rebuild mode that year one, as we talked about a couple years ago, uh, probably wasn't able to be as hands on with the defense as he would like to be. And year two, there were a lot of conversations the entire offseason that Brent Venables was much more hands-on with the defense than he was the previous year. And, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if this means, like, he just maybe wants somebody that has some different ideas that can maybe implement a few different items within the defense. But, you know, the reality is this is Brent Venables' defense, period. And uh, no matter how good or bad a defensive coordinator Ted Roof is, like, I don't think this is an indictment on him or or any of that. It's just, it's not really his defense, right? It's not. I, I do have a few questions considering that we are around convention time. Is, uh, is, is someone available that Brent Venables was like, okay, yeah, let's do that, that prompted him? to go ahead and and move on from this and does that mean that this air quote search might not take as long as what a true search is or is this truly taking Brent Venables at his word and just saying hey after doing the self-reflection the look in the mirror about the direction that we're going maybe communication something something was amiss clearly even if it is Brent's defense uh, to make him move on from this. So uh, I can't wait to see what direction this moves in and which names prop up first because there's not any that really come to the top of my mind, at least right now. I mean, you would think this is Bob Diaco. Probably, yeah, you <laughs> would think he probably does have a name in mind. And, you know, the other part of this is he says he was offered to stay on the staff, right? He was. But in another role. And, I mean, yeah, that probably tells you that there is somebody that Brent Venables wants to bring in. Isn't that uh, awfully nice of the head coach? Like, hey, we don't really want your services as the defensive it's, it's coordinator anymore. It's not that anymore. we don't want you around. It's that we just want someone else, so we have to give you a different label. That That's right. You can stick around, and we would like you to, knowing full well that someone's probably not going to at that part. Right. But I always laugh at the – you know, hey, we gave him an opportunity to hang around. Like, wait a minute, I want to keep coaching. So this is from Eli Letterman, who had just posted this. This was during the Alamo Bowl. 
And they were asking Ted about how long that he's going to continue to coach. And he said, until I quit loving it. I love it. I love waking up. I do too, Ted. Uh, for sure I do. Every day I wake up and I can't wait to get to the office. When I don't feel like that anymore, I won't do it. I love everything about it. I love the grind. love the type of people I'm with. I love being at a place where my core values align with the head coach in the university. Uh-oh. Uh, the staff that I'm with and the players that I get to coach, being at a place like OU, I love when that expectation level is high. Love being a part of that. I love the grind. God, how many things does he love? Uh, when I quit loving it, I'll quit doing it. I'll find something else to do, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. So his love for the game definitely has not gone away, but OU just doesn't want him anymore, or Brim Venables doesn't want him there. Where did his son end up going? Did Good he leave? Good-looking question. Not quite sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't specifically remember I can't the scenario remember. with his yep. son, who was a linebacker, and mm-hmm. not that he was a starter, but you know, people said in the off season that he was uh, at least somebody that they felt like could be a rotational guy, and then he got hurt. And I don't remember exactly how all that played out, but yeah, I mean, look, Ted Roof is a guy that's been around for a long time, right? And I, I don't know how how much more innovative he might be, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you've just maximized everything that you're going to get out of him from a contribution aspect. Again, it's not his defense. So, you know, this this would make sense that you want maybe some fresh ideas because you've probably heard all of Ted Roof's ideas, right? You've been doing this forever. A long time. So it's it's never a bad thing to to get different input on how something is, is going to operate, but... It's still Brent Venable's defense at the end of the day. Interesting, though. Are, there, are people shocked by this? I, there, I, I've only seen, like, uh, shock is probably the wrong term for it. Because uh, to me, if you want to get into a game of semantics, there is a level between shock and being surprised. I just think that there wasn't enough rumblings about it to think that Venables might want to move in another direction at this time from a timing standpoint yeah. on it. But if you're going to do it, like I said, the coaching convention is a legit thing where there's a, so many movers and shakers and, and different opportunities for different people that are happening right now, but they've closed the chapter on 24 in the recruiting class. Uh, they've already got uh, several guys that are committed to 25, but I mean, we're still in kind of the early stages of really starting to put a lot of pressure on the 25 kids. I haven't really we, – we know who the dynamic recruiters are on staff. Ted Roof's name was never out there as far as a dynamic recruiter right. that I can remember of anyone, but now's probably the time, I guess, if you're going to do it. I mean, again, the hire made a ton of sense in the first place because Brent Venables was rebuilding a program and becoming a head coach for the first time and wasn't going to be able to be as hands-on with the defense as he probably wanted to be and needed an experienced, established defensive coordinator, right, out of the gate to give him one less thing to worry about. Yes. I don't think that's necessarily at the top of his need list anymore. He's much more involved with the defense, and again, you're probably now looking for someone, like you just mentioned, that maybe is a better recruiter out of that position or somebody that maybe has some different ideas to contribute to what Brent, Brent Venable's defense is. Um, yeah, I mean, your your needs as a head coach change, right, depending on where well, the program is. Brent and over, Ven- the, over two years, a lot has changed. To your point, Brent Venable's made that hire of Ted because 
Ted was kind of there when they needed him, right? That's right. <laughs> what is that? Precision Mutual, there when you need him. <laughs> I need him and to come in and kind of help with foundation and now taking um, the next step into a new conference. There's two ways to look at it. There is the, this should tell you about the level and standard I think that boss man has for members of the staff in particular. Uh, and also, you shouldn't be surprised by this because just run down the resume of Ted Roof, and I don't think that he's had a the same job for more than two years, probably since like 2015. Like everywhere he's been, it's basically been two years and gone. So I don't know if that's a him problem or not, but uh, there's there's radio people that are like that too. Right. Look at their resume. They're typically the people that introduce themselves by naming their call letters off when they first introduce you. Hi, WBEZ. My name is Ted Johnson or whatever. I'm like, I don't care, dude. I don't care. Like You look at their resume and they've been, this is like their fifth place in 10 years. It's crazy. And Ted Roof is that. He's a radio vagabond is is what he is on on the coaching side. Again, uh, he wasn't like truly the DC, so I, <laughs> yes, just, you know, like it, it. This is kind of like one of those. I, I, I like. I'm, I'm seeing some social media reaction to this, and I, people are, I think, overreacting to this situation. I mean, it would be like if it's a lot for Brent to handle in year one, being a head coach and running the defense yes. and everything else. So you need and someone so you that you're familiar with, an experienced guy that wasn't also learning that you've already how to be worked a coach, with. right? Yep. Like. It, the hire made a ton of sense. Does it still make sense? Probably not as much. And again, maybe you need a better recruiter out of that role. Maybe you need innovative idea. I mean, you know, a lot is changing, and you're about to go into a new conference. Like, yeah, it, this this is not a surprise to me at all. This would be like, and I don't even know if USC has an official offensive coordinator title on their staff, but it's it's Lincoln Riley's offense, right? Like, if somebody if Lincoln Riley and and an, a quote unquote OC parted ways. Would we think twice about it? No, no, because it's Lincoln Riley's offense. Just like this is Brent Venable's defense. That's well, and, that's the way I look at it. And how much does that play into what the new hire is? Exactly, which is why I said, what do you need out of that role? Because it's you're not really, I mean, to the full degree needing, like, you know, what Brent Venables was doing at Clemson. Right. So is it is it recruiting? Is it maybe somebody that's familiar, that's been in the SEC recently and, and you know, has some familiarity with those programs? That, like, there are a lot of different aspects of of the coaching job that I think you can lean on that it's not just calling the defense because that's you know Brent's going to oversee that well I'm sure there will be some names that start to pop up here in a yeah. relative short amount of time and I'm uh, completely intrigued to see who those are actually going to be I'll, I'll be curious to hear how Dusty talks about yeah. this situation this afternoon yeah no doubt no, he, doubt. he knows Brent as well as anyone, and 
again, I just to me it it this is not shocking at all, and it just yeah, Ted Roof was never the long term quote unquote DC anyway. Well, uh, they, we just got a, a text off of the uh, neuropathy treatment clinic of Oklahoma text line from EZ nine one eight said, uh, all right, another new coach for SEC play, SEC play for OU, a new OC, new DC, new quarterback, new O-line. Let's go get them Sooners, LOL. Like, <laughs> this will get added to that talking point that was out there that I think we discussed before about people that were saying, yeah, not good losing your OC and losing Dylan Gabriel. One... I mean, you have to put that into context as to what was truly happening. Like it, uh, their OC got an opportunity to be a head coach at a SEC school. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's a traditional power or not. And Dylan Gabriel's ultimate plan was to go to the league and not really be there anyway, if you're going to take him at his word, which is what he said in Oklahoma City. So, I mean, you had the, the Arnold kid, or excuse me, OU fan, I guess – you're not allowed to refer to him as Jackson or the Arnold kid. It's got to be JFA, right, is how you have to refer yeah, to him yeah. as. And maybe maybe throw on a 10 at the end, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe throw a 10 at the end. And by the way, I did see a list today of uh, returning quarterbacks in the SEC, and they already had, like, Jackson – excuse me, JFA. You already had him, like, at number eight on the list of returning quarterbacks in the SEC. I'm like, well, that's right. that's wild. I would like, have to, all right. I guess, go through and see what – what guys are coming might back, need to but, slow down a bit there but but still though the, to to the point of the texture it's like yeah that seems like a lot but you have to throw the defensive coordinator title kind of in the line of context with losing dylan gabriel it's like no your your, your defensive mind is still there he's the head coach he's yeah he's the one pulling the strings i mean it, this is apples to grapefruit with uh with the oc situation right like Both i think wonderful. they made I, th- I think they made good hires with Joe John Finley and Seth Luttrell, but it's it's new guys completely taking that over, right? There's there is a an element of unknown as to what direction that's going to go. Like I don't think anybody looks at the defense now and thinks it's going to drastically change. No, because it's Brent Venables' defense. <laughs> like I, 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 end of the end of the story. Is Gary Neiman listening? Here's a tweet from 59 seconds ago. Dude, I think he just ripped this from you. Uh, Ted Roof is a good coach. He was also Brent Vittable's defensive coordinator, which is like being Lincoln Riley's offensive coordinator. <laughs> uh, not to imply that Karen would do such a thing. Just funny the timing on something like that. I don't know. Did we have more connection problems? We do need to take a timeout. Okay. Um, I was worried that we lost you for a sec. No, no. Uh, with the uh, with the breaking news, we I think breezed past one of our breaks, so we need to play catch up. That is Jeremy Poplin. I'm Colby Daniels. Scott File in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. You're listening to the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.